Hey, Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's going on, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Inside the Ring Podcast Network. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. All right. So a lot of things are the preemptives for this recording happening right now. Um, one of which is because this is the second time we've recorded this exact episode, and we had a error in, uh, in our technology, so we're redoing it. And so we're going to try to recreate the magic for you, but it will be a lot looser. And, and a it, lot more unhinged, probably. Yeah, I, we probably censored ourselves the first time. Uh, but welcome in, everybody, to this edition of the show. You know, obviously, I think Laura and I came into this weekend, and we, when we were thinking about our content for the week and the weeks to come, leading up to things like, like camp and, and things like that, we obviously did not have this conversation that we're going to have today on our radar. Uh, and that is that Mike Babcock has resigned as the Blue Jackets head coach before coaching a single game. Pascal Vincent has been named the Columbus Blue Jackets head coach just three days before the start of training camp. Laura, you and I were supposed to be talking about Traverse City and the great things that came from that. And there will be time and space to do that. We've got a lot of things to share. We talked to a lot of folks who had a lot of really great insight. We've got a lot of thoughts on the performances that we saw. So we're going to give that to y'all here later in the week once it feels right to do so. But I can't imagine talking about anything other than the the subject at hand, which is just that the Blue Jackets are in a downward spiral as an organization with the firing, not firing, but we'll call I don't want to give them that much credit because I don't know that I can give the organization that much credit right now. The mutual separation. For sure. Awesome. Because oftentimes the mutual separation is indicative of a really great ending to things. Uh, Not true. Never has been, never will be. Definitely not here. Laura, obviously we've got a lot to talk about with this stuff, but just in general, what are your like initial thoughts and just initial feelings about how everything unfolded today. I mean, like you and I, we drove back from Traverse city today. Like we like literally did a press scrum with Yarmo two hours before the news came out. So, I mean, it's been a whirlwind of a day for us. I can't even imagine for the other folks who do this professionally. <laughs> um, but yeah. How are you feeling? How, what was your initial reaction? Just some of those first takes. I mean, I think it's very us um, that, you know, we are an hour and a half into our two-hour drive back to your place in Grand Rapids when the news broke that, you know, Mike Babcock was rumored to resign. By the time we got to Grand Rapids, it had been made official. Um, And all of that is made even more interesting by the, you know, kind of great experience that we had in Traverse City these last four days and sort of being on the brink of all of this and being kind of with everyone that was either outwardly or inwardly like involved in the situation um, as far as the front office is considered. Um, And also being surrounded by just these incredible performances by our, our prospects, but this has definitely been swirling around in the water you know, basically since the story broke um, and since the team and 
you know, Mike Babcock and Boone Jenner made, you know, that public statement last week. So it's, it's crazy. This is so much bigger than just Mike Babcock. And so much is going to be just an absolute dumpster fire. I don't know if that's strong enough. Um, I don't know any other descriptive words. Fucking shit show. Shit show. I will say that the nice... Clusterfuck. Yeah, the nice part about re-recording this at this point is Mm -hmm. that you did get the first fuck on our last one that we recorded, and I now have the first one on this one. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I think it's one-to-one. I think if we have to record it a third time, that's when we'll really know. If we have to record it a third time... I'm going to be asleep. That's bad news. And nobody wants to listen to me talk to myself for 45 minutes. Or hear me snore, because that's unpleasant. But I would move the mic. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) But yeah, it's just, there's so many emotions. Like, I, as being new, not really new, but like. Yeah, you at some point need to stop saying that because you've been in this shit for a Well, not, I wasn't even talking about being a fan. I was talking about being like in the journalistic media part of it. So like being newer to that world in an official capacity, um, it's kind of, it's weirdly exciting to be in this because this is so fucking huge and it is so bad in so many ways like the the storylines are just endless kind of but from the fan perspective and what our show is based off which is the fan perspective this is a goddamn nightmare yeah like i mean i think it's a goddamn nightmare from a journalistic standpoint as well to be to be honest like very true and we'll we'll have some more examples of that later on but it is terrible. Like, this is absolutely terrible. This isn't going away with just the <laughs> firing, the resigning of Mike Babcock and the repla- the immediate replacement with Pascal Vincent. Like, it's just not fucking going away. Like, this is, we're talking weeks, if not months, yeah, of dealing with this. Yeah. And, you know, to have had this, like, great experience with the prospects and how fucking talented they are. Like, you guys have no idea how much great content we have to share with you about how talented these kids are and how bright they could make the future of the Blue Jackets. To then have this situation where we're looking at a coach that's going to be coming into a completely divided room, potentially. You know, people questioning the captain, captain, people questioning the veteran players, people questioning the younger players if they don't under... like. If they don't understand, like, everyone should be questioning management at this point. And three days before training camp. Three days. I have to tell you, your energy on this re-record, living for it. Thank you. I felt like I was the aggressive one in the last one, and now I think we're both there. I had caffeine in between. Yeah, we are both drinking white monster energies. And it is not early in the evening. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's later now. It is later, and uh, we are upset about it. But, (laughs) yeah, I mean, like, it's... You're right. Like, there's a never-ending storyline here, right? Like, I mean, obviously it has to at some point, but, like, the reality is, is, like, we don't know what we don't know at this point. And I think that until we get some concrete answers as to what was going on, and even, I mean, even since we got back home, right, like, things have even changed since then, right? I mean, like, the NHLPA released a statement saying that 
the league's players deserve to be treated with the utmost respect and dignity in the workplace. And Columbus like wasn't providing that, like that's damning, right? Like that's bigger than a quote, like distraction as Mike Babcock put it as being the reason that he resigned, right? Like if it was a distraction issue and it was just going to be a conversation of what's going on in the media, well then the NHL players association wouldn't have anything to say about that. Right? Like they would say, probably not a damn word. Like if their findings didn't show that there was problematic behavior instead, what they said was that Columbus is right for moving on from this head coach and hiring another one because the conditions in which they were providing for their players were not adequate to the league standards. That's fucking crazy. That's insane. (laughs) And that was able to happen. And so I think that obviously you're right. Like the questions have to be asked at a deeper level than just, the surface right i mean like there are people who are going to be implicated in this and there's no denying that yarmo kekalainen stuck his neck out to make this hire you've got john davidson comes back into the organization to try to get everything back on the right track because we became a laughing stock for a couple of years when he was in new york as a franchise and now here we are again not really exactly in a much better spot than we were when he came back and then on top of that, you even said it. It's like, then you get the people who, and to his credit, like, I don't know that he would have had much of a choice. This could have been a PR stunt too. But then you've got people like Rick Nash, who like also like said, like in being coached by Mike Babcock for Team Canada in, in the Olympics, like this, that, and the other thing. Like So again, like it's, there are a lot of people who said a lot of positive things about this hire when it happened that need to reflect on <laughs> on a lot of things. I think as fans, we need to reflect on those words. I think, you know, Mark Scheig, you know, from, you know, the hockey writer said it kind of best in some ways where it's like, these are the quotes that you got from your ownership, not from your ownership, but from your front office, the day that you had Mike Babcock announced, right? Like, it should make you uneasy if you're a Blue Jackets fan that they said that after this long and arduous process of reflection and this, that, and the other thing, like this is what we came to. So it's probably naive to say that there shouldn't be some really uncomfortable questions asked and then in turn answered by the Blue Jackets brass. Like it just has to be the case. Tomorrow, Monday is going to be an uncomfortable day for everybody involved in the organization and there's a lot of bridges that need to be built and rebuilt between the front office and its fans, between the front office and its ownership, between the front office and its players, between the players and the players potentially. Yeah. We don't know. Right. Like, and, and, you know, hopefully what Aaron Portsline reported earlier in that there is not necessarily a rift in the locker room between players. Like again, like, what am I going to say? The contrary, I guess, if there was. I mean, also, like, do they know, like, if there's one? Like, it's, but this is, like, they haven't so even fresh. They have been together, really. Unless something's changed about that, right? Like, it's possible. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I just, like, there's so much about this that deserves some clarity for for the fans, for the, you know, for the owners, frankly. Like, the owners deserve some answers. And if not, you know, some some things more you know punitive than just answers like this is a big thing that's so much bigger like you said than just where we're at in the hockey season like it's it's so much bigger well and someone's gonna end up having to fall on the sword for this like i can't envision a scenario where someone in the front office does not have to take the hit for this decision and because this and I liked this part that I said in our original recording is they had all of this information. 
They had all of the reports from his time in Detroit and his time in Toronto, and especially all a lot of reports out of Toronto, like and all the reasonings behind why Toronto fired him. And, you know, they had all this information. He wasn't their only choice. Like, I understand the predicament that we were in, that we needed to find a coach that was going to help turn this bus around because it was heading straight to the seventh level of hell. Like, last season... Coming to you live from the eighth. (laughs) You know, last season was terrible. It was awful. It wasn't fun for anyone. Like, it wasn't fun for the players. It wasn't fun... For the fans, like... I had a good time. (laughs) Not all the time. No, I had zero fun. Yes. And so I understand us needing to do that. But he wasn't the only option. Like, there were other options who had the same level of experience without the drama. Like, there were coaches that they interviewed, i.e. the one that we replaced him with, that could have been hired immediately or initially I should say and then worked with to become an NHL coach without the drama right but here we sit after being lectured when they hired him that this was the best choice what a good way to put that (laughs) that's truly how it felt like this was he was the best choice he's like he's how we're gonna move forward We've analyzed everything. We feel like he he will change, like all this sort of stuff. Record they, scratch. Yeah, record scratch. Didn't even coach a game, and we end up in this predicament. And it's not an isolated situation. It's not just here in Columbus. We are the laughing stock of the entire NHL. Well, and that's the thing that we even talked about. I can't remember if we talked about it off the air. If it was when we just recorded <laughs> it's an episode, included now. <laughs> here it is. Here it is in the ether. I mean, like when Mike Babcock was hired, I think that there was some some fodder around the league and around different circles that if Mike Babcock was going to make a return to an NHL market, like Columbus is a safer one to do, right? I mean, honestly, like John Tortorella is kind of an example of this, like being outside of the major media circles, like you know, I mean, hell, I mean, Tampa Bay, maybe not so much, where he found some success, won a Stanley Cup goes to New York, right? Like, okay, like you can talk about a media market that's crazy, like New York, right? But then then after that, you're in Vancouver. And honestly, like not much kinder of a market. I mean, like they care about their hockey up there in a way that is much different than the way in which people in, I'm just going to say it, Columbus, Ohio care about their hockey. Like it's just different. And that's just the gist of it. And maybe I should just say media cares about it. Then he comes to Columbus. A little bit quieter. Of course, he makes some waves here and there. Like, but like generally speaking, those waves can kind of like crash against the surface, and then like they kind of like the, the water's calm. Mm-hmm. Mike Babcock didn't have that luxury because Mike Babcock, and honestly, thank goodness he didn't. Right? Like, I'm not saying that that's a, a bad thing that he didn't have the luxury. Mike Babcock has a target on his back across the entire league. It's bigger than Columbus, right? It, I mean, of course it's bigger than Columbus. A guy hasn't, like you said, didn't coach a fucking game here. Of course it's bigger than Columbus, right? And so it is more than just, you know, Columbus media. It is NHL media. It is international media that knows this guy to be a piece of work. And they're ready to hold him accountable for it. And earlier in this whole thing, because I mean, like, 
we haven't really, I guess, fully gotten into like the timeline of things, but I am assuming at this point that if you are listening to this podcast, you are vaguely familiar with what the last league has looked like for the Blue Jackets and its fans. Obviously, the report comes out on spitting chiclets. This is the thing that's happening. Mike Babcock's a weirdo, this and the other thing. Boone Jenner, Mike Babcock, early statements, more on that later. And then feels like maybe it's gone away. Well, when we get to Traverse City or when we're on our way to Traverse City, we start learning, okay, actually, the NHL Players Association is coming. Laura and I talked about it. Like, I wasn't even sure that some of these major media guys were going to be in Traverse City on Thursday just because of the implications of the Players Association being there on Thursday. But, of course, they were. And so that happens on Thursday. And since Thursday, right, like, there's been these rumblings, right? Like, Mike Babcock was there on Thursday in Traverse City. We have a friend, Julie, who saw him, took a photo with him, and, you know, he was there. Like, I can confirm to you all that Mike Babcock was in Traverse City on Thursday. And something happened, obviously, between Thursday and Saturday where here's not – like, look, like, I can't say that we were in every space in which we were going to see every single person who was there with the Blue Jackets. That being said, I think we saw every person who traveled with the Blue Jackets after each game, whether that be because we were waiting for a media scrum in Traverse City or because we were just like, as we were leaving, like we saw them leaving. Like, I can't think of an absence other than Mike Babcock. I mean, like Pascal Vincent was there, right? And and this is like all to say, like Brad Larson, to my knowledge, wasn't there last year. I don't remember Brad Larson being there. No, he didn't come up. And so, and so like... The whole Blue Jackets coaching staff was here on Thursday, and then there's the absence of Mike Babcock on Saturday. So, like, this is here. Here's where we're at timeline wise, right? Um, well, and I think that might also have to do with the Players Association coming to do interviews. Could be on Thursday. Obviously, I don't have any like proof of this, but like, oftentimes in these situations, when when a sect of an organization is coming to do investigations they don't want anyone around that could intimidate or obstruct anything with the people that are being interviewed so my guess just being familiar in in different areas like this is that they said that no one who interacts face-to-face with the players can be present the day that we are doing these interviews, like the players need to have that safety. They need to have that. And you get, and you, nope. They need to have that an anonymous sense. Like the, insur- the assurance, the assurance that, thank you. I, I think you're, you're looking tired. for ambiguity, but I don't, I don't I know was. that that was the right word in that setting anyway. So we're going to, it's okay. It's okay. I'm very tired. Um, <laughs> if the front office is allowed to make the mistakes that it's made over the last three months, then you're allowed to say ambiguity wrong. Thank you. Anytime. Um, because there was an unusual amount of people that were present in Traverse City as far as like a front office standpoint is considered. But that also, side note, made me wonder if that's just a Columbus thing, though, because Sheldon Keefe definitely almost hit us with his car. So, like, he did. He did. I, and almost then, like, hit us with his car. Jim Montgomery was there with the devil or with the stars. stars. I, anyway, sorry. I'm um, getting you off. I would have put that. I would have had someone put that on my gravestone if Sheldon Keefe did hit me with his car. Um, yeah. <laughs> list of things killed by Sheldon Keefe. One, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Two, Laura Norman. Um, but yeah, it just, it's, it, it has been blood in the water basically ever since they announced that they were going to come and do an investigation. Yeah. And 
in hindsight, I'm pretty sure the team is kicking itself in some space because while it was necessary that they or necessary that they felt pressured to put out a statement right away, if they had any inkling that something was going to come down, they should have waited. And because now they're having to backpedal majorly. And like we said, it's a spider web of situations. And I think for the two of us, being higher education professionals who both work with Title IX situations, who both work, Mm -hmm. you know, with the comfortability of people in this age range, the fact that, again, they had this information and then whatever, whomever, whether it be one player, five players, whomever, had to go through this experience where they were made to feel uncomfortable and they were made to feel potentially violated in some way, like is terrible. And there's no excuse for that because they had this information and they could have avoided this. And now they're going to have to figure out how they can move forward with whomever these players are that made these reports. Like, because if you can't trust the organization that you're working for, why do you want to play and give your your best in this situation? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that this team really has to focus on, right? Like, I think moving forward, there's a lot of restoration that needs to happen, of course. Like, that's, I mean, I don't think that that's breaking news to anybody. Like, and, and but what that looks like, who knows, right? Like you said, like, we don't know anything about who might have been the players that were the most vocal about their discomfort. You know, we heard in reports that it might have been the way in which some of the younger players perceive things. And it's it's maybe seeming like the more and more we learn the little tidbit by tidbit by tidbit, like it's seeming like maybe that's true, but we don't have any context for that. We don't know anything outside of, again, those those subtle little breadcrumbs that are left for us here and there. Um, you know, how do you bridge that gap then between the experiences shared by those folks, but then maybe the experiences held by other people? Because hear me say this, like I, I want to make some assumptions that could potentially get me in trouble. My assumption is that the experiences that we heard from, from Boone Jenner, Johnny Goudreau, Matthew Olivier, like my hope is that those, yeah, my hope is that those players felt comfortable to tell the truth about what their experience was. My follow-up to that point is that then they have to own that the way that they reacted to the news publicly could also affect some of the dynamics and the relationships of the other folks in the room that maybe felt differently, right? Especially because of some of the language used. And that is not me trying to stir up any shit. It's not me putting a values judgment on any of the players that were involved in that until we have more information, because frankly, the last 96 to hundred and whatever the fuck the math is there mm-hmm. um, hours, 120, I guess. Um, no, that was wrong too. 110. Anyway, I bad at math. digress. No, 120. I was right. Um, you know, all that to say, over the course of the last five days, a lot of people have been saying a lot of things without information that ends up making them look like asshats. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the business of doing that. That's why we haven't really been like jumping on shit like before we yeah, know more. That's, but that's why we were very specific about how we addressed things because we we did want to know all the details, right? And so, like all of that to say that 
I am not going to place a value judgment on any of those players. All I'm going to say is that I think that they have some work to do to potentially rebuild some of those relationships that potentially could have been unintentionally affected by some of their comments. I mean, Boone Jenner is the one that comes to mind because you're the captain of the team. And when you say that a reaction is blown out of proportion, well then like, obviously I'm assuming he made that comment without having context. If he had context and if players had gone to him about this, and he reacted by doing that, like then I have a lot of further questions that are probably going to piss a lot of Blue Jackets fans off. But I'm going to assume that that's not the case. Even at that, there's some work to be done there. To just say, like, I was speaking from my experience, and I I don't know if it has to be public. I don't know if it has to be. I I don't know what it has to be. But it has to be something to reassure the people who maybe were put in an uncomfortable spot that when they heard the words from their captain – overreaction or blown out of proportion in relation to a potential i don't want to the word trauma gets thrown around a lot right so i'm going to be careful not to say that but like a very uncomfortable situation that you were put in in a power dynamic situation by a coach right like that is that's a lot to have to process if you're somebody who feels wronged by your captain for saying that and so boone has some work to do in that locker room yeah i would say i mean I would say, yeah, a lot of the the veteran players have some work, but obviously Boone is is the face in that room and um, was part of that first situation. And I know that with camp coming up, and he may even say something beforehand because media day for them is on Wednesday um, before camp starts. But, you know, First things first, like whether it's public or with in-house, like the communication has to be there. Um, I'm probably not going to say it as eloquently as I did the first time we recorded this, but like, I have faith. Uh, <laughs> but you have to have open lines of communication in this situation, because if you don't, then there's going to be a player or a staff member or someone that it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds until they break and that can turn into an argument in an office that can turn into a fight in the locker room that can turn into you know a situation like we had with Pierre-Luc Dubois where you just stop playing in the middle of the game like all sorts of things if you don't have open lines of communication like everyone needs to be given a voice whether you know whether they have anything to say or not because there might be some players that don't have anything to say about it like Like they might just say, like, I didn't have that experience. I understand, you know, what these other players went through. I'm, you know, indifferent to Mike Babcock being here or not. Um, But I want to be on a good standing with my teammates and I want to help. I want to be part of the process. And then there may be players that have, you know, lots of other things to say. But the important part is that you give them that opportunity And you give them that opportunity to not only say it amongst each other as teammates, but also say it to the front office. And, you know, Pascal Vincent, this is not going to be a fun situation for him. No. Like, he is coming in to a potentially, like, really splintered locker room. And he's coming into a situation where there's a lot of emotions, there's a lot of eyes on him. And he needs to be the biggest voice in that room Mm -hmm. because he needs to unify his team because that's all that matters. Like at this point, like to find a way to unify the team and to find a way to move forward. So, and you know, 
he, yes, he's familiar. He's been with us for a couple of years now. So that's a luxury that we have that he knows most of the guys that are returning to the team. Obviously we have a lot of prospects that are just coming into this dumpster fire of a situation. Um, but he's going to need to be very consistent and very open and very transparent. And he's going to have to be there for everyone. And I don't know if you're like the kind of person or not that like feels that way naturally that you have to be there for everyone in your life um, all at the same time. It's fucking exhausting. Like this is going to be hell on wheels for him. And, you know, I, I do have, you know, faith that he can handle it because I don't, I don't think it's right or fair to like not instill that in him when he hasn't done anything that we're aware of, obviously, like, um, cause as of right now, we don't know that any other coaching staff was present for any of these conversations. Um, but we have to give him a chance. Um, would it have been easier if he would have just been the selection three months ago? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're sadly not in that circumstance. So it's just, it's going to have to be a lot of shitty conversations and a lot of like taking accountability for things, even when it's feels awful, like, and it should feel awful is the thing. Like they should not just brush aside anyone's feelings about this. And if they do, they need to be removed from the organization because they clearly don't have the best intentions for the organization if they're just going to be laissez-faire about the ripple effect of this situation. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think that there's going to be a lot that we learn over the course of the next few days that's going to inform how we feel about this, right? Like, I think it goes, like, obviously the player point of it, but then there's, like, the other elements, too, where it's like, okay, like, and an Aaron Portsline setup, if, like if you like, you have to read Aaron Portsline's article about this because so much of what a journalist like him is able to do, and, and you can have your opinions of Porty if you want to, or like it's fine one way or another. But what he's able to do, at least for me, like where I'm more coming from it from a fan perspective, that like everything is so jumbled in my brain. Like he is able to like he puts that into words in a way that like I think has hit hit this on the head for me that I can't personally, I can't come up with the same words. Like, you know, it's this concept of like, okay, sure. Like one of two things is true in this scenario. And it's either, it's a bad look if these own, if the, if the general manager and the president of hockey operations, it is bad enough if they knew about this and didn't say anything about it. Cause what does that say about the people who are leading your organization? That's a fucking problem. But maybe the bigger problem is that they might not have. Like, that's the bigger problem, right? Like, the bigger problem is if you don't have a pulse on your hockey operations, if you don't have a pulse on your on your culture of what's going on, the conversations that are happening below you, all of that kind of stuff that are informing the culture of your team, and you're able to continue to navigate through that work without having that firm understanding, that's bad, too. And, and arguably, it's worse, right? Like, and it's, and it's obviously the McConnell family is going to need answers about this whole thing right? Like that is my assumption. Uh, the McConnell's are a pretty hands-off ownership family. Like they just are not very involved in the way that some of these other owners are in professional sports. Um, 
you know, I think about guys like Mike Priest in moments like this who have been with the organization since its inception and have been a part of all the the shenanigans that have gone on in the 20, whatever, three, four, I guess, depends on how you count lockout years, seasons. And it just was like, I can't, either way, this is bad. <laughs> like, either way, it's like a, it's a damnation. And it's also like, to the point of, your players feel more comfortable potentially in whistleblowing. And I'm using that term for the literal sense, not because I'm like placing a judgment on them. Like I am glad they said something, um, but there's more comfort to do that with a person like Paul Bizanet than there is to do that with a Boone Jenner, like your captain, hopefully, hopefully that's the case um, or ownership or not ownership at that point. I mean, you're a young guy. You're probably not going to go straight to the owner, but like your GM, a coach, like anybody, like anybody else that you can get to, like if they're not feeling comfortable to do that, like that is a fucking issue. Like that's the kind of stuff that I think I am most worried about when I think about like what comes next, right? Like it's the rebuilding of the relationships between players and all this kind of stuff like it's hard to imagine that that locker room isn't fractured but then it's also all the other stuff that we are just going to have to keep learning about over the course of the next probably 72 96 hours and we're just going to have to like roll with the punches take it on the chin as it comes but we're going to get a lot of i i think that we're going to get a lot of info tomorrow around 12 30 when this press conference happens between yarmo kikalainen john davidson and the new head coach of the columbus blue jackets pascal vincent yeah i mean hopefully we I mean, because they can take this, you know, one of two ways, essentially. They can put it all out on the table, which they should, or they can be pretty vague and kind of closed off about it and lead us to wanting to understand what's happening. Because to, again, speak to the fan perspective, which is about what our show it, like is, is the, the fans should also be demanding answers. Yep. Like, we're again, 23, 24 years into this franchise with no real accomplishments. Yes, we won one round of the playoffs, but that still wasn't until 19, 20 years into the franchise. Like, and that's kind of ridiculous. And they've kind they've had these like weird bumps in the road where they're constantly standing in their own, in the way of their own success. And they make these decisions that just really aren't right for the organization. And the fans should be disappointed. Like they should be disappointed. They should be upset. Because again, it goes back to the point where they had this information. They didn't have to make this decision. And we said it in the first time that we recorded this. And like, we're not being the whole, like, we told you so situation. But the amount of shit that we got for stating that this could potentially be a really um, real circumstance when Mike Babcock was hired is insane. And I hope all of those people are taking a deep look at themselves right now. And I know that you won't ever feel truly sorry because you're mostly internet trolls. But, like, it is... People said this, like, not just us, but, like, people who are professionals at covering the NHL all said, okay, you have all this information. Are you sure that you want to make this decision? Are you sure that you are in a place as a franchise to take a gamble 
on a man who got fired for the reasons that he got fired. Like, are you sure? And still, round after round after round, they defended this decision. And here we are three months later. And on May 16th, (laughs) but your favorite podcast tweeted... (laughs) With the awful reputation Mike Babcock has in terms of how he treats players, young players specifically, it's borderline irresponsible that the Blue Jackets would even consider him no matter the track record. And that was back when it was just rumored that they might be talking to him. Obviously, we're still a ways out from that at that point from from him being the name, the head coach. But, uh, you know, it's – I'm looking at just kind of trying to see, you know – here we got some quotes here from his presser. Uh, we've got to find the best way to do it, and that'll be the jacket way. Oh man, like you, you hear about all of this, man, and it's just, it's just so rough. Um, it's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad, uh, and so avoidable, like you said. I mean, I think that you know there's going to have to be a lot of backtracking and backpedaling that happens from this front office. And that's just, we're going to like, and and that's the thing. When you say, and Yarmo Kekalainen said this at the presser, I believe the Mike Babcock presser that quote, we have values as an organization I will believe whether or not he lives by those values, depending on how he comes out in this press conference on Monday. 100%. Because a man of integrity would go out there and would say, would own his piece of this. And I'm not saying he needs to go out there on Monday and just resign. Like, that's not what I'm saying necessarily. Now, what I'll say to that is that if he knows that he was complicit in trying to hide this or in trying to get this to just go away, then absolutely I'm calling for his job. 100% with certainty, I am calling for his job. But let's assume again, once again, because we're going to assume positive intent from everybody involved in this situation until we learn otherwise, just, you have to take ownership of, of, of your piece of this. Same with John Davidson, uh, you know, and you have, you cannot avoid the questions. Like you can't because the more and more you do that in this situation, the worse this gets. And it just feels like we are. And it's just like, this thing has layers and to say that it's an onion would be a disrespect to onions. This is definitely a reference to Shrek where it's like ogres have layers. This is an ogre of a situation right now. We are deep in the swamp. We are in the swamp. Um, And so I just, it's one of those things where we are going to continue to peel back layers of this. And until somebody is just willing to own up to as much of this as we can to get this all out into the air, um, you know, (laughs) piece by piece, layer by layer, we're going to keep on covering some bullshit. And when we're going to have to process that, we are going to be the laughing stock of the NHL at the start of this season. There's no denying that it is just what it is. And I can't say with any certainty that we don't deserve that. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things that we are going to have to endure as fans that frankly are because of the position that we were put in by, by this leadership. And I just, again, I'm speaking out like as if being a fan is like the hardest part of my life. It is not, it's nowhere near it. Uh, I speak as if, you know, we're entitled to certain information. And the reality is, is like as people who do not have a financial stake in the game of the Columbus blue jackets in, in theory, right? Like, 
like I'm not entitled to any information. You're not entitled to any information. Frankly, I guess nobody is. But I guess my point is that if you want to try to get out of this as smoothly as you can, you have to be forthcoming with what you have. And the NHL Players Association tonight made it clear that there is more to this than just a resignation to try to save face and not be a distraction. I mean, I think to say that any of this is less of a distraction would be, uh, frankly, be bullshit. Uh, if the organization would have just stuck with him and been like, man, like, yeah, like not great. Uh, we're going to work on that. We're going to help him. We're going to make sure this doesn't happen again. Um, you know, that's technically less distracting. It's probably a lot more fucking damaging for this franchise, but it's less distracting. Um, this is not just about a distraction. There's some shit here. Yeah. It's, it's much deeper and, you know, it's also just in in theory, just in a space that we are right now, as far as the players are considered, like it is such a shame that we keep coming and having these circumstances where things are just so crazy and things are, you know, that their coaching is all over the place and everything because the talent is there. Like when we get the opportunity to share with all of you, like what we witnessed at Traverse city this mm-hmm. past weekend, like the talent is undoubtedly there. Like if all of this shakes out, like as you know, hopefully in a, in a positive light, the, the future of the blue jackets could be so bright because these prospective players are so talented. We also have talented people already on this team who have not been given the right opportunity to excel and have been going through this like five or six year period of where things are just fucking crazy. And to not be, I mean, these guys have worked their whole lives to be at at this point. And if we don't want players to feel like it's embarrassing to come to play for Columbus, or whatnot, we have to start figuring out better ways to treat them and to train them and to develop them and to focus on them because they're the important, they're why we're here. If there's no players, there's no team. So like, you know, we can't keep giving them the short end of the stick or the short stick short end of the stick didn't make any sense um the short stick and but still expect greatness like you can't treat them this way and then expect them to win the stanley cup like that's just not gonna happen or expect to bring in the talent that can win a stanley Cup. exactly so i don't know there's going to be a lot of things and depending on the things you may hear from us again later i mean you will hear from us at some point this week about lovely traverse city things but you know, we just have to take it day by day and see how this team and the front office is going to handle this moving forward. But it's been a shit show. And there are so many avenues, right? But this could go down. Uh, find out that Boone Jenner maybe was not as innocent in some of this. And again, this is all just like hypotheticals like or could have been forced into a situation. Yeah, I mean that's even worse too, right? I mean, like, I don't know. It's just like I I don't like spending time not assuming positive intent about all the all the actors here because when you start to do that, it starts to get really messy really fast. And the messier this gets, the more distracting it's going to be. 
the more challenging it's going to be to get these guys to get excited to play for this team. I mean, like this has implications that are, again, I've said it once, I'll say it again, so much bigger. And there is nothing that is out of the question in my mind until we know more. Yeah. There's nothing. You think about it. You say it. If, if we learn something about it, I could potentially see myself agreeing. And I'm saying that very vaguely in a way because I don't want to alienate anybody. But um, you find out that some of these statements maybe are fabricated. You find out that any of this kind of stuff is maybe not as it seems. I'm going to feel uneasy about supporting some of these people in these places. Mm. So, well, I mean, you know us. We don't like tend to be very shy about how we're feeling or what we're thinking. And thankfully, neither do our listeners. We ask them kind of just like generally like how they're feeling about all of this. And, you know... I, I think they're sharing some of our sentiments. I don't think that we're alone in some of what we're thinking. You know, Danny Wolf asks, are the Blue Jackets a bottom three team again? And if they are, it's not because of this, in my no. opinion. Like, I think that that, like, is a bigger reflection on something else hit the fan because the talent on this team is not capable of finishing in the bottom three, I don't think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to be uh, I'd love to be correct about that. And if I'm wrong about that, then it's really going to be – a journey of a season uh, for the Jackets. But, uh, you know, Jess McConville says, uh, honestly, I really wanted to be proven wrong. I think you're talking to two people here that really did too. I think that we spent so much time, right? Like feeling absolutely pissed and whatever else have you, whatever emotion when my, when, you know, Mike Babcock was hired and then we had to process the next couple of months. Okay. Like he is going to be head coach. Like that's just the reality of it. Like it is what it is. And now we're into a place where like, nope, he's not. Uh, and so like reconciling all of that is obviously challenging, especially when you've like kind of like succumbed to giving him a second chance because you didn't have a choice. So I don't know. It's just hard. Um, you know, Corinne Core 1040 says, I think it's BS that they had Boone put out a statement without all the facts. I understand his name is brought into it and we deserve an answer, but seeing how people now are turning on him is very disappointing as if he isn't credible anymore. Would like your thoughts on this. And again, like I am assuming positive intent. Like I am assuming that Boone Jenner spoke from a place of his experience. And so long as he did that, and so long as he can feel comfortable in the way in which he addressed the situation, I'm at peace with that. Um, only Boone Jenner and probably a couple of other people who make way more money than me um, would know the answer to that question. If what he said was like hundred percent his experience or if he wasn't contacted by any other players or if he didn't know anything else. Um, but again, I'm going to assume positive intent uh, here because Boone Jenner has never given me a reason to not. He was put in a really fucking weird situation where he had to say something about this and mm. maybe he wouldn't have in the past, but this is what a captain has to do. And especially once your name is brought into it, you have to respond to it. And so again, I'm going to hope and pray that all of that was done with positive intent. That Boone Jenner told us what he experienced and that he'll address that with whoever he needs to in the room Mm -hmm. to make them feel okay with, with his involvement in this process. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, our friend, uh, our friend Jay Ashdown, uh, said, uh, mad, sad, embarrassed, ashamed, foolish. I feel lied to, apathetic, perhaps a lot. And again, like, those all feel I, valid. Yeah. I think those are all very valid emotions to feel, you know, from a fan aspect. And like, you know, this is a big bomb to be dropped. Like, again, as we said before, three days before training camps is supposed to start. Um, and, 
I know I said this in the first in the first go around, um, but we were listening to the athletics hockey podcast this morning on our on our way to the rink in Traverse City. And, you know, they were talking about some other coaches that may be on the hot seat this season. And, you know, they named a few that those details aren't important. But, you know, it came down to the fact that those other coaches are in hot water because they need to perform well. They need to have their team perform well. They need to have their team make the playoffs. They need to do this, that or the other thing. None of them are in a situation like Columbus where their coach is uh you know bad behavior sort of situation and like allegations and all this sort of stuff like no one else is in this circumstance right now and like this is coming from a league that has the chicago blackhawks like we're at the bottom of the barrel in these circumstances um so yeah i think that feeling all of those things is very valid also courtesy of recording a little bit later Sarah Sivian just tweeted a lot of league sources are really frustrated with the Babcock hiring for start to finish and at least one internal Blue Jackets source explained expressed disdain about this from the day it happened there are a lot of questions that need to be answered so obviously like to some extent there might be even some chatter within the organization about there being some fractured feelings there um again take that for what it's worth um you know yeah I all those feelings make a lot of sense to me. Uh, taking a look at some of the other things that we heard from fans, how well are we going to be prepared with a new coach coming in only three days before training camp? I mean, my hope is that obviously you stick with a guy who is in the system and you would hope and pray that a prepared head coach, like you would think Mike Babcock would have been, I fuck if I know, has probably had conversations with his coaching staff about what training camp is going to look like and to at least some effect. Like I think some of that might stick in place. I mean, that's part of the benefit of saying internal. And so we'll see where that goes, but and you know, Pascal Vincent will have a little bit of time, a whole 72 hours before actual ice time takes place because Wednesday when camp opens is not like a practice day. It's where they do their measurements and all that sort of stuff and check them out medically. And then it's media day, which will be a roller coaster in and of itself. But um, so he will have a little bit of time and I'm sure he's had been having these conversations since the minute they called and said, Hey, will you be the new head coach? Like, um, cause who knows how long this decision was made before they actually announced it. Yeah. Great scenario. Greg Wyshynski said that he felt that everything really clicked into place on Saturday for this whole thing, whether that means the information that was necessary to, to move forward with the choice was presented to the Blue Jackets on Saturday, or if Saturday was the day that the Blue Jackets made the choice, who knows? But like that's, I keep forgetting things that we've said again in the first one we did, the second one we've did, um, where we've done, we're doing right now. And so I haven't said that, I don't think, in this episode. So no, yeah. um, just wanted to throw that in there. But yeah, so I, you know, and like I said, I want to f- throw full support behind Pascal Vincent because that's what he deserves like to go into this situation. Like he needs the support, you know, from his players, but also from the front office and also from the fans like this, no one can ever say that the blue jackets fans are not passionate and dedicated and invested in their hockey or in their hockey club. Like, so to be able to rally behind him right now is really important. Um, because like we said earlier, he's going to go through hell for the next 
maybe the entire season. Yep. Like, so until proven otherwise, I think it's best moving forward that we rally behind him and support him in this venture. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, obviously 72 hours before on ice things happen, but also like still some time before the season starts technically. Right. And so, you know, Tiffany asks us at T Brook 42, not, or she says not surprised, but glad we got out of this uh, before he had to quote unquote resign in the middle of the season for a likely similar issue. And I agree. I mean, at least in this case, you have the opportunity to pivot and try to correct some culture. This happens in the middle of the season. And I mean, there's not a lot of time in, in the season outside of games and practices to really make an impact on culture. And so, you know, I think for that reason, it's good, the timing, but like, again, could have just not hired him. Yeah, to begin. And in hindsight, it's 2020, of yeah. course. But, like, yes, could have just avoided this entire situation. So, but here we are. And, yes, for an, a number of reasons, it's better that it didn't happen in the middle of the season. But it's going to face its own challenges happening three days before, you know, training camp. But it is what it is. We have to, we have to pick up and move forward from that point. We do, we do. And so some other questions. So our good friend Morgan gets in on the action and asked if his sudden absence uh, was noted at Traverse City. And I, yeah, I mean, like, at least for me, like, I think we we talked about it a little bit on this episode. But, like, I think that, like, yeah, it was kind of like you, you saw everybody who was there at some point or another as part of, like, media scrums and things like that. I mean, like, it felt pretty... Yeah, it was definitely noted, especially because he wasn't there on Saturday, and Saturday was by far the bigger game out of the three that the Blue Jackets played because it was against Detroit, who hosts um, the Traverse City uh, tournament. So, um, you know, to not to have him not... And plus, like, Detroit is, you know, not officially a rival, but, like, you know, there's a little bit of that here and there. And we work with Detroit a lot sometimes in, in trading and all that sort of stuff. But like um, for him not to be there was definitely noticed. Um, he was pretty like incognito though, too, when he was there. Um, like he wasn't like out when we were doing like media stuff or anything of that nature. He was more just so like, almost trying to be like a passive observer because people saw him in like the concourse and stuff like that. Like it wasn't in super official capacities. Um, Like he wasn't down on the bench or anything like Mm. that. You know, I saw him leave on Thursday, but like that was like, but it was very casual. casual. I think he was by himself when he left Mm. too. Like he wasn't even like around anybody else. He was kind of discreet. So, yeah, so it was definitely noticed. And like like we've said earlier, it was swirling around everyone, you know, at Traverse City because it's such a well-known situation um, and, you know, was at the top of everyone's mind and, you know, the top of probably a decent chunk of the prospects as they're like, hey, we're trying to, to get on this team and we don't know if we're going to have a coach. Yeah, no, I mean, that's real. So. Well, and I think the thing about it, too, like, even bigger than just, like, was his absence noticed? I mean, like, the energy was noticed, too, right? I mean, like, the energy around the team was different. I think even just by, you know, I, it was an unspoken rule, it seemed like, amongst the media folks to not ask about any of it. And, and I am, like, 
saying with 100% like, I'm telling you right now, nobody from any organization or anything like that told us that, like what we couldn't ask. Correct. I was never told that. Laura was never told that. Um, so that's why I say it was unwritten and in no way, shape, or form communicated by the team. It just it felt... It was a vibe. It was a vibe. Yeah, because like when you're in a media scrum with like, again, like say what you want about the guy, but like Aaron Portsline asks the questions. Um, and when he wasn't, um, you know, and that's not me a judgment of his journalism. I think that like it was a time and place thing. And I think everybody who was there could tell that like, this wasn't the time and place. Uh, and I shared even with Porty. I said like, I- I'm glad in some ways that the focus has been on the prospects and that nobody has taken it there in these scrums. Like, um, but like, I think you could sense that the vibe was just around the whole thing was obviously. Yeah. Different. It was at, it was at the tip of everyone's tongue. Every time yeah. someone was speaking, but he, also, like, we got the opportunity to speak with a lot of the players over the course of the last four days. And, like, you almost felt like because they're already so nervous, because they are already so focused on, like, I have to be my best. I have to show exactly what I can do because I'm fighting for a spot in Columbus or I'm fighting for a spot in Cleveland or I'm fighting for a spot for someone to approve an exemption for me so that I can do this that, or the other thing like i'd love to be talking about that really great conversation that was had but yes, here we are eventually like they are so focused and like a lot of them have their families there and like this is their first time in like situations like that so you don't even want to bring this up to them because it would make them ironically uncomfortable because they're not going to know what to say and they're not going to give like real thought out answers because they don't want to piss off the wrong person and they don't want to get in trouble. And that's not to be said either that we have any knowledge that they were told not to answer anything. Cause like I said, we weren't told that we couldn't ask anything. It was just a vibe like, and, but in all honesty, like that's, that's the best way it could have gone in theory because the prospects deserved that attention Like, they deserve to be the focus of all of those interviews and all of those questions and to be acknowledged for their performances and, like, to be excited for what's to come for them and all that sort of stuff. So as much as it was on, like, edge for everyone to ask those questions, it's really good that all of us, at least all the people that we were working with Mm -hmm. and around, kept that separate 100 uh she also asks how does this affect jack rosovic which is hilarious um morgan you know how i feel about jack rosovic i mean i think it makes it interesting because pascal vincent might actually play patrick line at center which might be interesting for the whole like jack rosovic also being a center situation but we'll see how that develops when we know how much Pascal's getting paid, I, usually cap friendly is pretty on top of that stuff. The only issue is that this is a weird as fuck. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't think cap friendly put out a thing, but it wasn't about his salary. Yeah, usually they try to upload contracts and then they use basically whatever reporting they can find. My assumption is after the press conference tomorrow, that information will be more prevalent. Potentially, yeah. Um, just because someone may ask him or may ask Yarmo what the terms are of um pascal's contract um so i'm sure it'll be made available at some point but it's not gonna be anywhere near what they were gonna pay babcock so no but i'm sure it will be like a nice 
bump up from what he was making as the associate coach and coming in sort of like a Hail Mary to be yeah. the head coach. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, last question from Morgan was if we are getting a new head or a new general manager, excuse me, any possible suspects? I honestly, I'm, te- I, I would have no idea. I'm terrible at this. Stuff. Well, I was just going to say like, at least internally, like I know that everybody looks at like Rick Nash, Rick Nash, Rick Nash, and I'm not saying this with any disrespect to Rick Nash. I think that the the guy who has been what seems to be like the most involved in the front office and seems to kind of be the right hand, and maybe like that's not a good person to hire if the reason is that he's not like Yarmo is not there because of misconduct here. Um, so maybe that's not the right guess. But even in Traverse City, we saw it, like Josh Flynn is is pretty engaged and pretty into what's going on here i i will say this on the show and i will say it just as fact like not even as part of the media or anything like that like just as somebody who was a fan like walking through actually laura and i needed to find a place that was quiet to record the outro for the youtube content that we'll be posting at some point and which was like finding a needle in a haystack in a crowded community rink and so if you've never been to this rink like you like there are two sheets and they're separated by a corridor that runs like above them and so you like walk down into the arenas um but you walk through it and so there's mullins rink which is where all the games are playing uh this actually like blue jackets fans actually probably have some context of this because you know that mullins was the one that got fucked up during game one they had to move over to david's rink that's the second rink on the other side and so I last year, like with Field Pass, like I know that I recorded an interview in there with I think the ECHL guys who were officiating, like that kind of stuff. So I know that you could go in there sometimes during Traverse City to just do some of these quiet things. I'm like, oh, let's go in there. That makes sense. And it was locked. And the only three people who were in there were John Davidson, Yarma Kekalainen, and Josh Flynn. And obviously, like this is on Saturday. So, like we said, like, I'm not saying that that had anything to do with what was going on. Yeah, we're not saying that we were witnesses to, like, no, decisions. No, absolutely not. But it definitely, they wanted privacy. And that's basically one of the only places you can get it right. in this very small Which, community ring. Hey, at least I know something that they do, too. Mm. Because that's what I was hoping for. But, I mean, even, again, taking any of that out of the equation, like, just knowing that, like, those three were so connected this weekend i think shows that like josh flynn is somebody who could potentially be an nhl gm at some point and they see him as that apparently like because of the way they bring him in and so maybe maybe he's somebody to look at so that's really the only answer i have though i mean i don't i couldn't even tell you who's on the market right now as being somebody who i would want i mean i would hope that we don't you know just like hire the old guy who hasn't found a job yet like that would be so out of character for the blue jackets i doubt they'll ever do yes, that entirely but, out of character. um some more questions so uh we've got bandwagon hopper which is hilarious um at bandwagon hops if you're a bandwagon hopper and you ended up on this one like what happened but um well this got a problem between the veterans and the kids i think we talked about that quite a bit um we don't know yet it's obviously a very large possibility. Yeah. But it'd be naive to say absolutely not, but it would also be ignorant to say yes. Yes. So that will also be something that plays out. And again, they're probably going to try and keep that part of it 
as internal as possible. Well, and hope would be my assumption. God, I hope so. Um, obviously, yeah. the players and veterans will be all players will be asked about it. Is my assumption. Um, but my if they're smart about it, they're going to try and keep those conversations and that work that they're doing as internal as possible because they need to form a bond. And you can't do that when you have a million voices like trying to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. And then uh, also asking who's coaching the monsters now. Great question. There's been a lot of movement and weirdness. Uh, so Trent Vogelhuber, who, who is amazing great and human. such a good coach did an incredible job over um, over Traverse City um we got to do a little scrum with him and he's so proud of these prospects and he's so proud of like the future um and he's just a great coach great guy like yeah. um you know i i have a feeling he'll get there someday to the NHL mm-hmm. level um he's very young yeah. So, um, which isn't a bad thing, but he's doing a great job with the monsters. So, yep. and I don't want to take anything else away from them. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that, that he was not, I don't want to say I'm glad he wasn't considered, but like, I'm glad that the jackets didn't see that as an option. Yeah. Uh, I that, mean, things could, things could still change and him be called up for, you know, any other reason, but I hope that they let him stay in Cleveland. Me too. Me too. Um, okay, so then uh, John Cahill, he's got some fears, um, locker room strife. I mean, I think that, like, Valor, we've chatted about that a little bit. Um, team culture looks very weak because you've got some players that are more comfortable going outside of the organization than inside. We kind of talked about that. That's from Portie's piece. I mean, I think that agreed. Uh, yeah, then that's going to have to be addressed, like, especially when it comes to, like, going to people in a public platform manner yeah like i'm obviously not telling them to not go to their reps at the players association like please go if that's who you feel most comfortable with like that's what they're there for right but to go to someone like biz who's gonna put it out there like and you may not understand that that's what's gonna happen either so and i guess the other thing that's worth noting is like there's zero confirmation even that this also wasn't like a I'm a player. I text a confidant. That confidant then you miss, uh, I you know misguides and misplaces my trust. Then tells bit like you know what I mean. So I guess there's no guaranteeing that that pipeline is direct to biz. I mean, with the age gaps that yeah, are probably it's there, just, it might it's not, knowing but. and like we you know with the young players especially like they don't always know these things because they've never had to deal with it before. And so it's just you know you really have to trust the people that you're talking to. And if the Blue Jackets are smart, they're going to rebuild those connections within the organization because that's where these people should feel comfortable going. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, and then last point that I'll touch on that Vincent has been a part of bad staff. So why is this going to be different as a head coach? I mean, valid question. I think it's especially because I feel like, you know, that's kind of an informed question, right? Larson is kind of obviously you don't have bad teams that he was a part of coaching, but like gets promoted internally and struggles. Uh, I think you have to reflect on maybe some of those things that happened outside of Lars and Larson's control last year. I think obviously the games in which he was out jackets won. Um, I think some of the other moves that were made that we knew were products of, of Pascal Vincent. I mean, obviously the jackets 
power play was much improved when a guy like Kirill Marchenko got there, but like, obviously the change in structure of the power play, like that's a, that's a Pascal Vincent thing. And obviously it was more successful. And I mean, like assuming, right. You're running the same kind of power play schemes that you're running in the NHL at a place like Traverse city. I mean, shit, like with the talent that was on that ice, obviously it was different on Sunday because the star, like the jackets didn't, play yeah. their stars power play was kind of garbage today. power play was really bad on Sunday. <laughs> really bad uh so but that was also adam Fantilli, jordan dubay james malatesta i mean you're almost actually your entire power, power play check, yeah. yeah your whole pp1 is like literally like benched right um and for good reason but yeah i mean like i think that you look at those things oh and like the whole like patrick line at center thing like i you look at some of those things and those are products of Vincent. And so you're hopeful that maybe those things that were a part of, even though it was on a bad team, that those things that happened, those glimpses of hope, like they were guided by Well, him. and I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt too, because he's never been officially a head coach in the NHL. So right. he's never had full reign of what to do. So we don't know what his plan is going to be. And I think, Coming in at a circumstance so that he is, I think he's going to take a lot of time getting, you know, feeling out all the players and figuring out where, because, and this breeds into a much larger conversation, the fact that we have too many fucking people, like, a lot of decisions are going to have to be made over the course of the next couple of weeks, as far as players are considered, and so... It's not going to be an easy road, but I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's you know, and it's a two-year contract. So, like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But we can't shit on him now just because he had been part of, you know, organizations that weren't fully under his control. Correct. Correct. So we'll see where that goes. And finally, um, you know, Thomas uh, Duffield says, if the GM of the of the team did his due diligence in hiring Mike Babcock, then why didn't he know what a bad choice this was and how he could potentially cause so much problems? Maybe we should look at who is running the team. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, again, like, especially if we find out some more things, I think that, like, you, you are – you find a couple of friends here in, in that sentiment. I – you have to look at it. You have to ask the really hard questions. And you potentially have to make the really hard decisions. Yeah. God. Wow. That was powerful. <laughs> Good work. Might bring that one home. Thank you. Um, well, speaking of bringing that one home, uh, you know, we don't have any other questions, other, any other thing. I mean, like, I think, again, we are going to learn so much about the future of this franchise in the next few days. And, um, you know, my, my closing monologue here is just to say that, you know, I'm pissed off, um, you know, that we're even in this situation. It was an avoidable situation. And uh, we continue to learn that the old man's club that is the NHL and uh, the way in which we keep recycling coaches and things like that is obviously incredibly broken. And, you know, there is a clear issue within the franchise and what that means and what it looks like could mean a number of different things whether that's you know the issue that we talked about with players feeling more comfortable going externally than internally or the issue in which people might have known stuff and didn't say stuff you know all of that stuff right indicates that we're in a place that this franchise needs some help uh and probably some more uh, hands-on ownership if i'm honest uh not saying that like we need new ownership but i think they do engage a little bit more in this situation right now um and also just to say that like 
I love the Blue Jackets. Like that sucks. Like I like obviously like that right now. That's not a great time, but um, but I'm like, I'm I'm still gonna show up, right? Like this is still subjectively speaking. This is still a Blue Jackets podcast. We still love this team. We still are gonna hope for the best out of this situation. But like I think that again, it goes back to the thing that we always say is that like if you love something, you want it to be the best that it can be. And right now, like this franchise, give it like give it whatever name you want to like whether that's like a shit show a dumpster fire uh whatever have you like that's where we're at right now like to so to show it love is like challenging and difficult but uh you know try try to do it through all of this like i think that like obviously like do what you need to as a fan and as a person to challenge the behavior of the organization whether that's because you're a season ticket holder and you decide that's not how you want to spend your money or if it's because you know you have I don't know, like whatever you need to do for yourself. And that's like, do it. But also like, we're still going to be here and we're still blue jackets fans because if we were blue jackets fans after they hired the son of a bitch, like why not when he resigns? Right. Like that is true. And I echo all of your sentiments. He said, retweet. Um, and I just want to add one, you know, final thing. Like, obviously we're going to try and keep you up to date as things um, come out and progress over the next, you know, basically week or so, um, at least for the initial details. Um, but just a reminder to anyone out there, like lurking on socials, like vet your um, information before you like react to something or, you know, believe something to be true. Cause this is prime opportunity for bot accounts to come out and put like, <laughs> Just some crazy shit. And I'm talking like, I I have fallen victim to it before too. Like definitely early on in the podcast days, like Jeremy would laugh at me um, when I would be like, oh my God, this is happening. He's like, that's a bot that has 14 followers and faked a blue check mark. Like all that sort of stuff. So like, just be cautious of like who you're listening to, because like I said, this is going to be ripe with opportunity for fake information and all sorts of things. And ultimately, you know, Blue Jackets fans are Blue Jackets fans through and through. So um, however you feel about this situation, like we hope that you will remain a fan or if you, you know, we hope that you'll remain a fan because deep down the fifth line is such a special and incredible thing. And, you know, we just have to hope that one of these days this team's going to give us something to really celebrate. That or at least you stop stepping on his dick. That's true. Anyway. Um <laughs> Me eloquently brings it home. You does the same. Me talks about stepping on one's dick. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm good for nothing if not that. That's true. So Laura, obviously, I think as we continue to navigate all the complexities that this week will bring, we'll want to make sure that people can keep it locked on the show and they can uh, keep up with our thoughts and all of that kind of stuff. So if you could just go ahead and tell the good people where they can do all of that, I would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I do believe we'll probably be writing some pieces about this so <sighs> um, and about Traverse City and all those sorts of things. So. It just sucks that we can't cuss when we write. <laughs> That's true. Because I cuss when I talk about this and I just don't know how to keep it out of the dialogue. Dialogue. <laughs> you know, that's what proofreading is. How for. do you talk about this without just starting by saying, what the fuck? I think you could say WTF. Just like, huh? Question mark? Yeah. Maybe that's how I'll do it. Huh? Yeah. You can read it in Jeremy's voice and you'll hear a huh as a what the fuck. 
sort of situation. You could just read the whole article as just those three <laughs> words. But anyway, so if you want to follow along with those, you can follow Jeremy's work at ITR Jeremy. Um, and you can follow mine at ITR Laura. And then, of course, you can follow along uh, with the show on socials. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Subjectively Pod. We're on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at Subjectively Speaking. We are going to be doing a lot more YouTube content coming up. So if you haven't, please subscribe because um, we've got a lot of uh, you know fun, exciting things planned. And then you can also check out our website, subjectivelyspeaking.com. Um, not that you really are feeling like spending money, um, but to support your two favorite hockey podcasters who just spent, you know, quite a bit of their own money to go to Traverse City to, to bring you content. Um, you can go to our, <laughs> you can go, remind them what they got out of it. <laughs> you can go to our merch store, subjectivelymerch.com, um, and get some sweet merch in exchange. And then lastly, uh, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, uh, particularly if you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. Um, and again, we don't know how algorithms work, but we just know that your likes and your listens and your subscriptions and your stars um, helps to get us noticed in the hockey podcast charts and bring more people to this lovely little community of ours. But other than that, we truly love and appreciate you all so much. And we are ready and willing to go on this journey with you um, through the next few weeks of the start of the 2023-2024 Blue Jackets season. Yeah, we really do have to stick with them on this one, don't we? Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> that really sucks. Yeah, because if we weren't podcasters, like we could just ignore some of this. Correct. We could just like go into a little hidey hole. Yes. But instead, hey. <laughs> We're here. Oh, man. Welcome back, everybody. They're like, <laughs> we know that sometimes you record two episodes a week during the season. We're going to get you into the swing of that during the preseason. Yep. I said, midseason form, get at her. <laughs> Pitter patter. Let's get at her. <laughs> okay. You want to. <laughs> Yeah, let's go home. Let's let's out of the show. Um, until the next time we get to chat, uh, make sure you take care of yourselves. Um, take care of one another because we are going to be getting it from the rest of the folks. So show your fellow fifth liners some love, even if you don't agree with them. You're in it for the right cause. So we we love and appreciate you all so much, and we will talk to you all p- t- t- tomorrow, probably. <laughs> very very soon. Bye.